and he is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. Praise God for our music ministry bringing us to the throne of God for worship this morning. I invite you this morning to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans, the 10th chapter. As we dig in on a familiar passage of Scripture. Romans, the 10th chapter, we'll begin reading at verse 1, and as you do, I want you to consider if you know someone in your life who is a control freak. Someone who has to be in control of every situation and every moment of every part uh, of their life and not only their life but your life too sometimes. This control freak who, who is, is, is not just their way or the highway, it's their way all the time, 24-7, and they don't see why you wouldn't believe that. We either know someone like that or we are like that, and in a sense, we all are like that in some way. We want control. This is the tension we live in as Christians. We, we want control of our own lives. But Jesus is Lord. And we don't control our lives. He is the ultimate authority. And even as we look at this familiar passage of Scripture, let us not just skip and hop over it because we've heard it so many times, but let us dig in to what God has for us this morning. This morning, Romans the 10th chapter. Beginning with verse 1, this is the word of God. The authentic, the inerrant, the unchanging, the, 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 the means by which every heart is changed. This is the word of God. Hear the voice of Christ. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, speaking about Israel, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Read that again. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. O holy sovereign, we come before you as unworthy creatures. But we come before you covered in the blood of Jesus, asking in the name of Jesus that you will send forth your Holy Spirit in a powerful and mighty way, that you will open up our eyes to your scriptures, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that your word will not be ordinary, but it will be extraordinary and it will wreak havoc upon our lives and how we understand life itself. Father, may we leave radically changed because we have been radically changed by you and your word. Father, may you do something that only you can do, bring revival to a broken and lowly and hopeless people. Father, by the preaching of your word, Father, we acknowledge what is taking place at this moment and that is you are waging victorious battle against Satan and his minions through your word. 
And Father, I beg that I will get out of the way and that you will be magnified, glorified, and we will leave this place shouting, Jesus is Lord. Father, may we marvel at your majesties in this text. May you be glorified. Have your way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I didn't want to get nothing started this morning, but who's in charge at your house? I mean, who, who, who's the boss? Who, who's in charge? Who, who's in control at your house? I mean, uh, I'm not saying who, who says they're in control, because it's, it's one thing to say you're in control. It's one thing to be in control. Um, who, who, who sets the vision for your, for your family? Who, who sets the direction, the, 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 the path in which your family will go? Is it he? Is it she? Is it them? They? Who, who's in charge at your house? And I don't know if you know this, but uh, one of the main sources of conflict in our world today is the fact that people are wrestling for control. Who will get their way? Who will give in? And it, it, it's funny to think about it. We, you know, we, we, we get a chuckle and we get a laugh when we think about who's in control. But the reality is that some pretty serious dysfunction results when people are not willing to come to an understanding of who's in control. Chaos, confusion, all over who's in control. This, this, this is not just an issue that, uh, that affects our homes, but it spreads outwards into society and it permeates itself and shows itself in, in many various ways. Students you in your classrooms, you are in a struggle for control. On your jobs, you are struggling as far as who is in control. Our political situation finds themselves embroiled in a struggle for control. Ongoing chaos, confusion, confusion and dysfunction. And what we see, though, is purely the manifestation of a spiritual reality. What we see before our eyes, what I see in my home, what I see on the job, it's, it's, it's not the people that's the problem, but it's the spiritual implications. It's what's going on behind the scenes that's causing this issue of control. Because we know from Scripture that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Then why is there all so much confusion and dysfunction? And so wherever, this is why. This is why things are so messed up. Wherever there is not submission to the authority of Jesus, there is always brokenness and bondage. This is where we are this morning. Within this foundational text explaining how someone receives salvation, this this free offer of salvation through Jesus Christ alone, this this is the particular truth that I believe we, we, we need to focus on this morning. To fully flush this text out, it, it would take it would take a while. It, it would take multiple sermons, but for the purposes of this morning, I believe that the Lord is pointing something out to us specifically. In this passage, we see a this this salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. We we see the confirmation of of Jesus, His words, and what He said in. And, and his uh, atoning sacrifice through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we, we see that here. And with all that is taking place within the framework of what the Apostle Paul is teaching and doing, I want us to focus 
on a specific confession this morning. And that is the practical outworking of this confession that Jesus is Lord. In this text, that the specific piece that we ought to look at and digest is as Jesus is Lord, that means that Jesus has authority over my entire life. So I, I don't want you to, to miss the big picture. There, there's a, a, a grand scheme, a big picture going, in, going on here. It's like, it's, it's like a, a, a gray pan of banana pudding. Like you're going to eat the whole thing. But maybe you just want to start with the crust today. I mean, you're going to eat the whole thing and and we need to eat this whole piece of scripture. But what I want us to do is focus specifically on the authority of Jesus in that confession. Jesus is Lord. Who is in control of your life? How is the authority of Jesus dictating how you navigate through your life right now? Not how, how Jesus used to be or how he used to run you. Or how you're hoping he runs. Right now, how is Jesus dictating your life? This glorious confession, Jesus is Lord. This, this is more than a, a, a simple what would Jesus do statement. It's a, it's a statement acknowledging what Jesus has already commanded that I do right now. And the truth is, when you selfishly and arrogantly seek control of your own life out of a lack of trust for Jesus, you are not surrendering to his authority in your life. When we don't surrender to the authority of Jesus, we are inviting destruction and dysfunction into our lives. We, 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 I mean, it's like, like the thieves are all saying, like, come on in, dysfunction. Come on in, brokenness. Come on in, heartache. Come on in, despair. Come on in, depression. Because Jesus ain't lower here. You can come on in and do whatever you want. And we're inviting all of these ills into our lives and wondering what's going on. Students, students, if, it's, if there's a student next to you, elbow them and wake them up say, listen, say, listen. And students, you, everybody, no, elbow them, I'm for real, like, wake them up. Like, like, like students, you're doing what you want and wrecking your life both at home and at school. Singles, you're doing what you want, and you're wrecking your life and picking up more baggage along the way. Husbands and wives, you're doing what you want, and you're wrecking your life, your marriage, and your children. Grandfather, grandmother, you're doing what you want and you're wrecking your life and you're destroying your legacy. It doesn't matter whatever demographic is in here. You're, you're doing what you want and you're bringing this function and you're wrecking your life and you're picking up more and more baggage along the way. So, and you're hoping for a moment of deliverance, but you can't be delivered because you picked up some extra packages along the way so you can't get rid of them anymore. And this is a cycle that's going. This is why to confess Jesus is Lord is to surrender total control of your life to the authority of Jesus. Again, authority is just one aspect of this theologically rich passage, but it's one aspect that I think we have the most trouble with today. It may be different next week, but today. And on the macro, we see Paul is, is, is speaking to a people who want to gain righteousness their own way. They want to control how they are saved. They, they want to do it themselves. And he's contrasting a righteousness by the works of the law with a, a righteousness by grace through faith. A, a righteousness that, that you are working for or a righteousness that is given to you freely by Jesus. He's contrasting these, 
ideas, these notions. And he's talking about Israel. See, but on a micro level, he's talking about us. Because we have a tendency who to, we might say Jesus is Lord and he's in control of my life, but then we find ourselves, we're manipulating and we're trying to turn dials and lift switches and pull levers trying to get things just right so Jesus will work things out how I want them. So as Paul is, is working through this, people are chasing a salvation in their own strength. And it's people wanting to get to heaven without giving up control of their lives to Jesus. And if we are not careful, we can find ourselves in this same place. A people who want the benefits of Jesus, but don't want the yoke that comes with surrendering to Jesus. We, we want the salvation, but we don't want the cross. We want the prosperity, but we don't want the, the brokenness. We, we, want, we want to be haughty and, and lifted up, but we don't want the, the, low, the lowliness of giving up your life to Jesus. Mm. We can be a people who believe in the hope of Jesus, but not surrendering to, surrendering to his control in my life right now. So as we, as we look at this confession, Jesus is Lord, we must define our terms. And when we say Jesus is Lord, what, what, what does Paul mean here? And this word Lord, uh, it translated means master, owner. It has the overtones of, of kingship and authority. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, is, is, is this, this third person, singular, present, indicative, is. Uh, this, is. This third person means that you or I don't have anything to do with it. It's third person, so I can't say I had anything to do with it. And it's not second person. You can't say you have something to do with it. But this isness of Jesus, he is Lord, apart from ourselves. This is not dependent on us. It's, it's singular, alone, Jesus alone, Jesus Christ alone. Not you and Jesus are working out your life. It's Jesus is working out your life. It's, this, it's present. It's this current. It's active. It's Presently operating is ongoing now in progress. Again, it's not how Jesus, how I used to walk with Jesus or how I want to walk with Jesus. Right now, am I, how am I walking with Jesus? This indicative is showing something. So to confess Jesus is Lord is to have a sincere expression of belief and trust in Jesus as masters of one life, one's life today. Jesus is Lord is a confession of one who has come to the end of their self and has surrendered control of their life to Jesus today. And as we consider this credo, this church credo affirmation, something that, that this small sentence that packed such a powerful punch, as we consider it today and, and the implications that come from it, I, I want us to, to under, first understand that this is a confession of fact. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a confession of fact. One of the major reasons that Israel looked past Jesus and did not see him as the, the rightful Messiah, it was because they could not control Jesus and that he would not live up to meet their expectations. They failed to realize that Jesus had an authority that superseded their own. Jesus did then, and Jesus will always supersede human authority. Why? Because Jesus is God. We surrender to the authority of Jesus because Jesus is God. I mean, it's not like I'm going to the first district court, and I'm going to the federal courts, I'm going to the Supreme Court. This is the highest court in the land. Jesus is God. That's why he has all authority. And this word Lord here is, is, is fantastic because this is the same Greek word that is used throughout the Old Testament to refer to Yahweh, God. That's the same word that's being applied here. So this is a, a, a confirmation and affirmation of the deity of Jesus. He is God. He deserves to be praised. 
And I love how the Apostle Paul, he, he, all throughout Scripture we see this. But I, I like what the Apostle Paul does in Colossians, the first chapter, beginning with verse 15. And it, we, we can walk through this quickly. He says, he, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the in, invisible God. We, we, we could pause right there. Jesus is the incarnation of God, present in front of us here. He, he came with bodily form. The scripture tells us God is, is spirit. But, but when we think about Jesus, he is God right here before us. He, the firstborn of all the creation, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and what? For him. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Colossians 16. For by him, all things were created. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You mean Jesus? Jesus was... You mean Jesus was the one in creation with the triune God speaking and things coming into being? Yes, that Jesus, the, the, the Jesus of the New Testament is God in control of all things, creating all things. And he goes on to say, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He, he is holding all things together. He's before all things that Jesus is eternal. So it's not like Jesus has to grow up to know something. He has always existed. And he is the head of the body, the church. What? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus runs the church? Uh, uh, you mean the pastor don't run a church? You mean the don't run the church? The, 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 the trustees? I'm sure they got keys. They run the church. No, no, no. That one big family with a whole lot of people? No. Jesus is the head. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be, what? Preeminent. For in him, not me, not you, not them, him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He wasn't liking anything. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Revelation 17, 14 puts it like this. In the end days, they will make war, but they will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them. Why? For he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. We surrender to the authority of Jesus because he is the creator of all things. He is God. Surely, if he is the most powerful, the, the most creative, and he has started all of this, surely my little life can say, yeah, I, I, think, I think he has better credentials than me. He's probably more qualified to run this show than me. He, he probably knows what he's doing because he sees time from the past to the middle to the future, and I just see the moment. So the implications is this, the authority of Jesus is not authority that we can question because that's what we do. When we want to disobey, we, 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 we knock down the authority of those who are above us. We say, well, I'm not going to obey my teacher because they don't know what they're talking about. I, I, I'm going to do it my way on the job because my boss really don't know what they're doing. I, I'm just going to, I'm not going to pay her. No, never mind, because she just likes to talk, so I'm just going to say, no, we can't diminish the authority of Jesus because he is all in all. There's no one bigger. There's no one better. Those are the implications. And the reality, so the re, this is the reality. This is the reality. You don't make Jesus Lord of your life. He is Lord of your life. I, I don't do something with Jesus to make him. He is Lord already, apart from me. So not only do we see that Jesus is Lord, and this is a confession of fact, but 
in a righteousness received by grace through faith, we see this this relinquishing of control or this is a confession of submission. Jesus is Lord. That's a confession of submission. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved on the the macro level. On the the macro level, Paul is speaking, uh, again, against those who want to control their own lives, who wants to do this righteousness themselves. And and whenever someone desires to control their own lives, they have a tendency to think life is all about them. A control freak is a control freak because they think everybody has been put there to serve them and their needs and their wants. So, So let's take out the there. I'm a control freak because at times in my life, more often than I want, I think people are placed on this earth to serve me. So I get mad when they don't do what I want them to do, even though I haven't told them that I want them to do it. To confess Jesus as Lord is to come to an end of yourself. It's not about me. And Paul tells us this in Philippians. This is the mind that he calls us to have, this mind in Christ Jesus. He says, let's see, Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. How? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And he goes here. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And he's pointing to Christ now, who, though he was in the form of God. He, he's up here. No higher authority. No one bigger. No one better. Though he was in the form. I did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't just hold on to it and say, I'm not going to let this go. But made himself nothing. What, what, what did he make himself into? Humans? Hmm, nothing. Hmm, humans? Nothing. You know, I, I'm really nothing. And he made himself nothing. And, and, and being born in the likeness of, of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. They're bowing when they say this. They're on their knees when they say this. They're not standing up with their chest poked out. Pointing to God, saying, look what I did, and look, look at this, and look at that. They're on their knees, on their faces, before the exalted one saying, Jesus is Lord. They're prostrate. And we walk in here Sunday after Sunday, proud as we want to be, with our chest out, saying, look what I did this week. You, you don't know who I am? That's my parking spot. That's my chair, my classroom. This is my way. That, that this confession, Jesus is Lord. I'm coming to the end of myself because what? I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm unworthy of so great a salvation that God died for me. What can I give him? Absolutely nothing. I'm unworthy. I, I, I shouldn't be standing here right now. I should just take this off and walk out. We are so unworthy. How can I not bend my knee of my heart and say, Jesus, you're Lord? How can I not, when he, he makes the, the moon turn and the earth rotate, he makes the, the comments fly past. He spoke, poof, and everything came into being. In history, 
we have a lot of information about World, world War II. And I, I mean, if you know me, you know I like that stuff. I, li- I like wor- World War II specifically. But when the Germans gave up, they had to sign a conditions for surrender. So when they came to the table, before the Germans could even begin to negotiate, it was told to them, we will receive nothing besides your unconditional surrender. What does that mean? That means they couldn't come to the table and negotiate or bargain what they would receive. That means they came to the table humble, low, and broken because they knew they were wrong and they deserved worse. So when they sat at the table, whatever was given, they just took. See, an unconditional surrender means you don't come to the table of Jesus with bargaining chips. Well, Jesus, um, 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 I know that you want to be Lord of my life, but I just got a hard time with this gossip thing. And I really don't want to give it to Jesus. I, I know that uh, you want to be Lord of my life. But, you know, my attitude, that's just how I am. Lord, I, look, let me bargain with you. I, I give up this, Lord, but just let me keep my friends. I, Lord, I, I know you called me to wholeness and sexual purity in my dating, but let me just have some this time. And next time I'll I let it go. I mean, you don't come to the table bargaining, trying to come up with, Lord, if, if you do this, then I do this. You, you come in, and you sit down, and you shut up, and you listen to the terms. And then you sign the document, and you say, what's next? Your unconditional surrender. Jesus is Lord is a confession of submission. But even as we acknowledge Jesus as Lord, there, there, there's something about, we don't, authority, boss, who's in control? There's, when we hear, when we hear this, Jesus is Lord, that means I submit to him. We, we, we think that term is antiquated. We think it's old-fashioned. That, that, that confession is old-fashioned. Church is old-fashioned. Or... We, we think it's, it's, it's bondage. That man, I'm going to come to Jesus. I ain't going to have no fun. That is, this relationship is, is, is bondage and, and not love. See, but I submit to you this morning, that could be nothing further from the truth because, in fact, that proclamation, Jesus is Lord, is actually a confession of freedom. It, 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 it sets you free. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, saved, saved. I'm, I'm being saved from something. I'm, I'm saved. Um, uh, I am under the power of sin. You mean sin? I, I don't get to actually say what I want to do, but sin tells me what I, uh, what I will do. I, I, I can't really, I, I, I can't stop. Everything that I want to stop because sin keeps telling me what to do because he, sin is my master and I'm the slave. It's, it's, you're under this yoke, this burden, this power of sin. And then there's the, the penalty of sin, that eternal separation from God and, and, and eternal life because of your active rebellion against him. You're, but eventually this, you will be saved from the very presence of the sin. So this confession is actually a confession of freedom, not getting bogged down too much of all the context. But what Paul is saying in verse five, where he says that Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. It wasn't like the Israelites was like, woohoo, if I do the commandments, I can go to heaven. It was like, what? I have to do what? I, it's like over 600 of these boys. I mean, I'm, what? I have to keep every law perfectly at every moment, minute of the day in order to get to glory? So, th- I mean, the Israelites should have been like crushed. Like, can nobody see God then? If I'm living under the commandments, I have no hope. This is what, see, and this is what Paul is addressing. 
He's talking to control freaks because there were some who actually thought, like, yeah, I can keep them. I can do it. And they began this process of working to try to earn their salvation and not, just not getting the whole point that it's impossible. Human beings are sinners. Romans 3, for all have, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one wants Jesus. See, so for some, they, they would think this confession that, that, that they could do it themselves, but for others, this was a reality check, exposing them that, exposing their sinfulness, exposing brokenness and weakness. They would try to keep the commandments and fail. Try to keep the commandments and fail. Let me make it plain. I, I'm going to try to get up early for Sunday school and fail. I, I, I'm going to try to come to church on Wednesday and fail. And I'm going to try to be at Bible study and fail. It, it, it became this thing that they would do and fail. But at some point they would realize that this is impossible. I can't be it. I can't do this Christian thing. This thing is it's, it's a weight. And that's where God says, aha, you get it now. You have nothing to offer me, and you can never save yourself. And what the law did, it pointed us to one who could fulfill the entire law fully in thought and in deed, Jesus Christ. And now through Christ, when my life has been united with him, he sets me free from the slavery I've been into sin. See, you think you're having a good time, but sin is making a monkey out of you. Sin is parading you around town. Say, look who I got. Look what I'll make them do. Oh, yeah. Watch this. I'm going to make them get turned up all Saturday. Get turned up. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Dance for me. Dance for me. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Like, let me clear their conscience. Let me bring them to church and sit them down. Oh, Monday, I'm going to make them go to job. Oh, I'm going to make them go off on their boss. Yeah, go off, go off, go off. And sin is just playing your strings like you a marionette. But what Jesus does is because he is the sinless Savior who sacrificed his life on Calvary, he comes with a pair of scissors and he cuts them ropes. He cuts the strings and he picks you up and he gives you, he replaces your dignity because on Facebook, you've just been out, out of control. Everybody, you ain't got, you, you know, no shame. And well, you just out of control. But he replaces the dignity. He frees you from the guilt. And he says that you are my image bearer. Now go live for me. That's freedom. That's freedom. When you wake up and, and, you, and you find yourself constantly waking up and regretting what you did last night, that's slavery. But when you can wake up and look up and say, Lord, I love you. Lord, it's going to be a good day because I serve you. Lord, it's going to be glorious because you are Lord and you have authority. Lord, I don't need to make the decisions of my life today because I know you got my best interests at heart. I can trust you. That's freedom. It's like, it's like getting caught up in a lie. Now, I know for us, we some good church folks. We really don't lie much. But it's like getting caught up in a lie. That's been going on and on and on and on. And then one day, you finally say, I'm going to tell the truth. And at that moment that you tell the truth, it's like a weight comes off your shoulder. That's what freedom feels like in Jesus. It's a weight off your shoulder. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Jesus takes care of that. You don't have to worry about how you're going to raise your family. Jesus takes care of you. You don't have to worry about what kind of employee, what kind of a husband, what kind of wife, what kind of student. You don't have to worry about all these affairs of life because Lord, the Lord said, why worry about tomorrow? I'll take care of you today. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, what? Let your requests be made known to God. And what? And the peace of God that surpasses what? All understanding. Regards your what? Your mind and your heart. Where? In Christ Jesus. I don't got to be a worry freak or a control freak. Jesus sets me free to live for him. Let me move. This is a cry of freedom because in John 8, Jesus says that if you abide, 
But so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus goes, he goes on to say, what they say, they answer him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been a slave to anyone. How is it that you say you will be free? I, I ain't nobody's slave. Sin don't make me do nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you think. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains. And he says this, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Some of you are looking for freedom in your own power, in your own strength, trying to do life how you want to do it. But Jesus is telling us this morning, you can't have freedom in your own strength trying to control your situation. You must submit and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus as Lord is not a cry of bondage. It is a cry of freedom. And I mean, it just comes down to this. Do you trust Jesus? Will you trust Jesus? That's the issue. That's the tension. But when we look at the text of Scripture, how could we not trust someone who is good to us as Jesus is? We do not want to surrender to Jesus because we don't trust him because we think that he's going to make us do something that we actually don't want. But freedom is actually finding your your identity and your fullness in Jesus Christ and that you are willing to go wherever he sends. And that he is actually better to yourself than anyone else could be. We serve a good Lord, a good master. So we are called to recognize Jesus as Lord and to live in perfect submission to his authority in every aspect of our lives. See, but, but let's face it. Even though we are called uh, to be mature Christians, we, we, we fail all the time at this. Jesus may be Lord over your ministry, but is he Lord over your family? Jesus may be Lord over your tongue, but is he Lord over your eyes? Jesus may be Lord over your church attendance, but is he Lord over your checkbook? Is he Lord in every way, in every situation, in every circumstance? And this is why the gospel is such good news. And this is why Jesus is Lord is a confession of hope. It's hope because I can't do it, but Jesus has. So Paul lets us know that the salvation is not far from us. This, this, is, this is what he's talking about in verse 6. Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Who, who's going who's to do something? Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. How, how can I get to Jesus? How can I find Jesus? And, but he's saying, you don't find Jesus. Because he's already there. You surrender. It's already done. You don't have to work. You don't have to keep toiling and trying and trying to show off and trying to put up this face and this front that you get all together. No, Jesus came for the broken. It's not because I do things right. It's not because I've surrendered perfectly, but it's because of the life of Jesus. It's because Jesus has come down. He has come down already. And he lived a sinless life and thought and deed. And he came and testified of who he was. And he died on Calvary's cross. And he was buried. And three days later, he rose from the grave. Jesus has already come. And because Jesus was brought up from the grave, this, this resurrection, what, what's the big deal about the resurrection? It, it validates Jesus is who he says he was. This is a sign that God the Father has accepted his sacrifice in the place of sinners like you and me. When we, by faith, trust in the good news that Jesus died for sinners like you and me, we're set free. And that's hope. The hope that even though we're miserable failures, that Jesus still cares about us. Can you feel the weightiness of that? The profoundness of that? That Jesus saves sinners, not fixed up people, sinners, the busted, the nasty, the worthless, the rebel, the prideful, the arrogant, the haughty. 
Jesus saves sinners like us. And the reality that Jesus has set you free produces this confession. It overwhelms you. You're like, how could he save someone like me? And it, and it begins to work itself out. This, this internal understanding of who Jesus is works itself out in this outward manifestation. Jesus is Lord. But I don't just say it with my, li- my mouth. I live it with my life. And others see that Jesus is my Lord. God is offering acceptance to you when you turn from seizing control of your own life and surrendering to the rightful authority of Jesus. For when you turn from sin and turn towards Jesus, the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross is applied to your broken life. And when the Father turns to you, he doesn't see the lowly and the broken. He sees his Son because his blood is applied to you. So when the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus. There's no more struggling. There's no more depression. There's no more doubt. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. Why? Because Jesus is perfect. He's sinless. He has a peace to Father. This is what it means to be in Christ Jesus. So is partial surrender a surrender at all? No. Because Jesus is Lord, is a confession of fact. I know I can trust him. He has full power. Because Jesus is Lord is a confession of submission. I know when I surrender my life to him that he will make my path straight. And in his presence will be fullness of joy. Because Jesus is Lord, it is a confession of freedom. I may think I'm having a good time now. But when I stand before the creator and he said, what did you do with my son? I won't be thinking it's fun then. It sets me free to live for him. Because Jesus is Lord is a confession of hope. Every day is worth living now. Because he's Lord. How? How? How does this happen? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 says this. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. How does it work itself out? By faith. By faith. You trust in Jesus. You turn from yourself and you turn towards Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will come in and rescue you and set you free from yourself. You can't just think you can say Jesus is is Lord with your mouth and live it that way without an internal transformation. And we know the internal transformation only comes from the Holy Spirit. So we plead, God, save me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Lord, help me to turn. Help me to stop living for myself and live for you. Lord, help me to live for the one who has died for me. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me now. Help me now, Lord. That is your cry. But then also, by his word. This happens by by faith and by his word. As Christians, we have to be freed up from this biblical illiteracy and not knowing the promises of God. Many of us are stuck because we just don't know that Jesus told us that we don't have to be stuck. And as we read the word of God, the hope builds and he transforms us. Our view of Jesus builds and he transforms us. And little by little, we will be able to say with much more confidence, Jesus is Lord. I asked the same question that I opened with this morning. Who's the boss in your home? Are you the control free? Thinking you can actually run your life better than Jesus? If the boss is anyone other than Jesus, then you're doomed for failure and doomed to spend an eternity in hell separated from the goodness of God. Call on Jesus today. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for your glorious truths and for this glorious confession that Jesus is Lord. Father, those little words mean so much. 
And Father, may you explode that understanding within our hearts this day that we will leave this place confessing with our mouths and believing in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Father, I pray that you will break one who is struggling in sin and may they see their sin as active rebellion against you and that they will surrender to you today. Father, will you please bring revival? Father, I beg that as a people, we will stop living for ourselves and doing what we want and live for your glory and for your praise and for your honor, for you are worthy of all praise. Father, humble us this morning. Clean us from the inside out, not from the outside in. Father, tear out those hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh that can receive this word and change. Father, we need you. We need you, Lord. We're not worthy. We're not worthy and we need you today. We're desperate for you, Lord, that you would break our hearts for you, that we would love you as as you deserve to be loved, that we would look past ourselves, that we would decrease and you would increase every day of the week. Help us, Lord. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your Holy Spirit to change us. Father, this is not a game. Help us to understand that. For eternity is at stake. Hell and heaven is at stake. Souls are in the balance. Lord, save us today. Oh, Lord, hear our cry. Hear our cry. Save us by the power of your Holy Spirit. May each one of us confess that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.